0: Welcome to Whitefields Church Podcast. Our focus is to help you grow relationally, emotionally, and spiritually. I hope you enjoy the message. Hope everybody's enjoying this holiday or holy days. I don't mind the term holy days. A lot of people get wrapped around the axle about not saying Merry Christmas, but saying happy holidays. Holiday to me means holy, it's a holy day, it's a holy season, Uh, I don't get wrapped around the axle on that, it must be Merry Christmas, although I enjoy saying that, I said it to my neighbor when I was walking this morning, walking the dog, and he was out, and I said Merry Christmas, and he said, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. this might be the year that we teach our grandchildren uh certain aspects of christmas it's a it's an amazon christmas meaning that last night around midnight my wife got an email that says your order has been cancelled so we're going to teach him this year that it's the thought that matters (laughs) you know i think that he's six he should be able to understand that at this point so we'd like to take up the offering at this time giving of our ties and offerings to the lord as an act of worship on our behalf and it's an honor to do so and uh, i'd like to i'd like to pray over that father we're just thankful that you've blessed our lives you've enriched us you've seen that we've never gone without a roof over our heads and food at our tables and and, and you've just Abundantly blessed us in this nation. And we have the opportunity, Father, to honor you back. Pray over wisdom for that, for our church, that we give give generously in the areas that you direct us to as a church body, church family. In Jesus' name. Amen. amen. <laughs> Thank you, Bob. Following the service today, uh, we've got lots and lots of food, and we hope that you'll plan on sticking around and fellowshipping a bit, yeah. and enjoying it. We have plates and plates, now listen to this, of charcuteries. Today we're having charcuteries. It's a new word I'm learning. It means cheese and meat platters. For, Huh? yes I don't know Christmas is such a wonderful time it really is Uh, it's really not the time that Jesus was born but I think it's an excellent time to actually acknowledge the fact that there was a savior that came um, to this humankind to you and I that we might understand a God who wanted to have fellowship and He did everything to make that possible. I wanna talk a little bit about that this morning. Says in the book of Genesis chapter one, verse one, it says, in the beginning, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, it was God who created. Hebrews 11, chapter 11, verse 13 says, It's by faith we understand this. It takes a, an act of faith to Understand that it was God who, in the beginning, created all of this. I want to read in a little article this morning that I found in Forbes magazine. Um, in uh, it was written in their magazine from October two thousand eighteen. Says. This is how we know there are two trillion galaxies in the universe. Well, I just read it's by faith that I know this, but Forbes is going to go ahead and explain to me some more. Help me in my faith. This is how we know there are two trillion galaxies in the universe. When you gaze up at the night sky through the veil of stars, the plane of the Milky Way close by, you can't help but feel small before the grand abyss of the universe that lies beyond. Even though nearly all of them are invisible to our eyes, our observable universe, extending tens of billions of light years in all directions, contains a fantastically large number of galaxies within it. I find that every day that I journey in my journey with Christ, He becomes larger and larger and larger to me. Just how many galaxies are out there used to be a mystery. With estimates rising from the thousands to the millions to the billions, all as telescope technology improved. If we made the most straightforward estimate using today's best technology, we'd state that there are 107 billion galaxies in our universe. But we know more than that. And our modern estimate is even grander, 2 trillion galaxies. Here's how we got there. In an ideal world, we'd simply count them all. We'd point our our telescopes at the sky, cover the entire thing, collect every photon emitted our way, and detect every object that was out there, no matter how faint. With arbitrarily good technology and an infinite amount of resource, we'd simply measure everything in the universe. And that would teach us how many galaxies are out there. But in practice, that won't work. Our telescopes are limited in size, which in turn limits how many photons they can collect and the resolutions they can achieve. There's a trade-off between how faint an object you can see and how much of the sky you can take in excuse me, at once. Some of the universe is obscured by intervening matter. Yeah. And the more distant an object is, the fainter it appears. At some point, a source is far enough away that even observing for a century won't reveal such a galaxy. Right. So what can we do? Instead is to view a clear portion of the universe without intervening matter, stars or galaxies as deeply as possible. The longer you stare at a single patch of sky, the more light you'll collect, the more you'll reveal about it. I like that little portion right there. I want us to pause and think about that statement. The longer you stare at a single patch of sky, the more light you'll collect and the more you'll reveal about it. I feel that's uh, kind of expressive of a relationship with Jesus Christ. The more I have my focus on Him, the more I have it set to just, I want to know Jesus. I want to know more about Him. I want to understand this person that God sent as His only begotten Son, who loved us so much and wanted to have fellowship with us so much, and wanted to bring redemption to this world, He says, I'll send a Redeemer. The more I look at Him, the more light I gather. For He is the light of the world, isn't He? looking for where that was. The longer you stare at a single patch of sky, the more light you'll collect and the more you'll reveal about it. We first did this in the mid-1990s with the Hubble uh, Space Telescope pointing at a patch of sky that was known to have practically nothing in it. I love that. Let's look at a place that has practically nothing in it and to simply sit on that spot and let the universe reveal what was present. It was one of the riskiest strategies of all times. If it failed, it would have been a waste of over a week of observing time on the newly corrected Hubble Space Telescope, the most sought-after observatory to take data with. But if it succeeded, It promised to reveal a glimpse of the universe in a way we had never seen it before. We collected data for hundreds of orbits across a multitude of different wavelengths, hoping to reveal galaxies that were fainter, more distant, and harder to see than any we had detected before. We hoped to learn the ultra-distant universe really looked like, what it looked like, and when that first, Im- that first image finally was processed and released, we got a view unlike any other. Amen. We discovered galaxies upon galaxies upon galaxies. Now, the most amazing thing this expanse, this huge, unbelievably expanded galaxies upon wow. galaxies, trillions. Of galaxies there is a creator and the most amazing thing that they're saying now science is always searching inquiring looking the most amazing thing is that they're saying it's continuing to expand that those aren't all just done and they're there but it's continuing more and more And more. And then what that speaks to me is that God's glory and revealing of Himself is never-ending. It's just the universe is continuing to expand as an expression of the glory of this God. Now, why in the world would this God who created all of this want to fellowship with man? In all of the universe, he says, Let me make man, let us make man in our image. And he created and he made Adam and Eve, and he wanted to have fellowship with them. Adam and Eve blew it, and fellowship was cut off, but God had a plan. He had a plan because he wanted to restore fellowship. God loves you so much. This God who could build this expanse that's beyond comprehension loves you. He loves you so much. He wants to reveal himself to you, and he wants to have fellowship with you. Come over here, young man. Yeah. They all want to take over. Actually, uh... I hope they do. <laughs> but just as today we're studying the star stars and the heavens from uh, uh, the the Hubble telescope out, however far that thing has reached, in the day of Jesus Christ, men were studying the stars. They were looking to the heavens. They were looking for something. We hear the story of, of Jesus Christ and 2,000 years ago as men were doing the same thing in Micah chapter 5, verse 2. I'd like, like to turn there. In verse 2, it says, But you, O Bethlehem, are only a small village among all the people of Judah, yet a ruler of Israel will come from you, one whose origins are from the distant past. There was a prophetic word given. There were wise men, men who studied the stars, that's what it means when they were said they were wise men, they were astronomers, they were astrologers, they looked to the heavens, and they'd heard this prophecy, and they were looking, and a star out of the entire universe of stars revealed itself to them and began to lead them to this prophetic promise. They said, we followed the star in Matthew chapter 2, verse 9. After this interview, the wise men went their way, and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. I refer back to the statement I read out of Forbes magazine. The longer they gazed in a certain area, the more light. Is there something happening? People keep staring up here. (laughs) So these wise men are being led by a star to the east, guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 says, to us a child is given, a child is born. His name will become Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, the Savior, the Redeemer. As many as there are stars in the universe, there are that many names for Jesus. Oh, there we go. I see what you guys are looking at. Whoever's doing that, good job. I want to focus on the one Christ, our Redeemer. Why do we need a Redeemer? Why would this God want to redeem us So that he could have an intimate relationship and fellowship with you and with me. It's his desire of all that he's created. He created man only in his image that he might have fellowship with him. And we needed a redeemer. Galatians chapter 3, verse 13. 13 says that Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. Now, when I was growing up in Southern California, we had these things called uh, uh, S&H green stamps and blue chip stamps. Anybody remember that? Yeah. And you would uh, go to the grocery store and you would purchase uh you know, whatever you got, or you would go buy clothing, whatever you bought. The, the store offered, we give stamps, S N H or blue chip stamps. And you would collect those stamps, and then you'd have the book of stamps, and you would fill the book up. And when you got so many books of stamps, you could go and redeem those. You could go and redeem those stamps. I remember I got a tennis racket with some you know, I'd been, been saving. I, I, you could get pots and pans. You could get uh, all kinds of different gifts. You could even get a car. You could get a car. Uh huh. I, I never got that many stamps. I was too, my vision wasn't <laughs> that far sighted on <laughs> a tennis rack. You could do other things with them, too. Uh, I'll make a confession. I took wood shop my senior year, because I had learned that in Woodshop, the teacher would release you to go to the uh, lumber yard and and look up the prices of lumber or whatever. He would just give you a, a written note and you could leave school. And I learned that he loved blue chip stamps, So I would take in a couple of blue-chip stamp books and just give it to him. I I don't have any use for these, because this is what I was told, this is what you do. So I would do that. And then later, I would say, I would like uh, a note to go to the lumber store. And he'd go, oh, no problem. Got any more of those stamps? And it was my fourth period which means I only had fifth and sixth period after that, and I'd skip and just go straight to the beach. <laughs> Boy, I thought I was smart till the end of my senior year, and I saw how many uh, hours I had to make up because I got caught for fifth and sixth period. <clears throat> Don't worry, folks. I graduated. <laughs> um, but we would take these stamps, and you'd take them to the Redemption Center. Now, I, I had a neighbor, and uh, he was a good guy. He, he would work on my dad's car. And later on, when I bought my first car, I bought a Volkswagen Bug. And he would help me work on that. He was sort of a backyard mechanic. He didn't work out of his shop. He worked out of his backyard. And, and uh, he collected these stamps. Also, he's always, oh, I'll take blue chip stamps. Well, he died one day, and he had tons of blue-chip stamps he had never redeemed. He had never turned them in. They went unredeemed. I thought about that as I was preparing this message. I hadn't thought of that in years. I thought of the stamps, and then I thought about this neighbor. You see, having a redeemer only benefits you if you go to the redemption center. Having a redeemer to the world, I think at Christmas time, it's magnified, it's wonderful. But it only benefits the world on an individual basis if you go to the redemption center and and give yourself, turn yourself in and say, I need redemption. You see, many of us, I'll speak for myself, I won't say many of us because I can't speak for you, I'll speak for myself. I always considered myself a good sinner. Yeah, I was a good sinner. I wasn't a bad sinner. You know, I was a little I was a little off. I did things I shouldn't do. But I was a good sinner. So I only needed a little redemption. I didn't need full redemption. You know, I could get a tennis racket instead of a car. It was a lousy tennis racket, by the way. but I considered myself a good sinner. I I think many times that's what we do. Uh, We consider ourselves only not really in need of a full savior, yet Paul the apostle got it. He got it. He said, all that I have, all that I am, everything I've accomplished, I consider it nothing in comparison that I might know Christ. Jesus and the power of his redemption in my life. Yet Paul, uh, because he got it, I believe that's why God used him so prominently to write most of the New Testament, because he got it. I think for a long time, Paul thought he was a pretty good sinner. He, he, was, he had issues, but they were issues common to man and they were better than some. Jesus told a story one time about two guys. They were in the temple to pray, and one of them was so aware of his need that he couldn't even lift up his eyes. He says, oh, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. He got it. He, understand, he understood redemption. He understood the message Christ came as a Redeemer, and He doesn't mess around. If you need redemption, He'll give you the the whole thing. And another man in the temple there praying was a good sinner. He said, I thank Thee, Lord, that I'm not as bad as this man over here. There's a story I like to tell once in a while of a young pastor just moved to a new community and took over a church. And uh, this fella dies. And his brother wants him to have a, a, a good funeral. And he can't find any. The man was a bad man, just was not a good guy. And he couldn't find any pastors in the area to do a a funeral service for his brother. Well, he finds this new guy, new in town. He goes to him, he says, I'll give you $1,000 if you'll do my brother's funeral. And all I'm asking, somewhere in the service, you say he was a good man. And this young pastor said, I can do that. So the day came for the funeral, well, the whole town turned out. And all the other pastors in town turned out. They wanted to see how this guy could say about this man that he was a good man. He had cheated on his wife. He had cheated every business deal he'd ever had. He was just, he just mean to his children. And he just had every aspect about him. You couldn't say there was anything good about him. So they came to hear, how could he, this young guy, and to take $1,000 on top of it, To say this man was a good man, so he does the 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 service, and in the service he says, you know, today we're burying, whatever his name was. He was. He cheated on his wife. He cheated every business partner he ever had and every business deal he ever had. He was mean to his children. He was even mean to his dog. But compared to his brother here, he was a good man. So he did what he said he would do. But the point is, are you just a good sinner, or do you need a redeemer? We all need a redeemer. And Jesus Christ came to bring redemption to every house, to every home, to every heart. He's a redeemer, one that we can count on one that we can know He takes us as we are, and He makes us new. Do you need a Redeemer today? I need a Redeemer today. I need a Redeemer every day, and Jesus Christ is my Redeemer. And I hope that during this season, you'll reflect on how much He's done for you, not so that you can walk around guilty feeling like, oh, man, I'm not living up. That's not what a Redeemer does. A Redeemer takes a book of stamps. A Redeemer takes something that's worn out and, and, and broken, and he completely makes it entirely new. Just as he's creating the universe newness all the time, he'll take a man, a woman, a child, He'll make them a new creation in Him. And that is the purpose of Christmas. That is the purpose of Jesus Christ, of God so loving the world that He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to show His love. Amen. Amen? Well, that's my Christmas message today. We have a Redeemer. And his name is Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. Please make sure to subscribe to our podcast. If you'd like more information about our church, please visit our website, whitefieldsalaska.com. Thanks again for listening, and may God bless you today.